0: Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Over a Drink Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Over a Drink Podcast and on Twitter at Over underscore A underscore Drink. Reach out and send me a message. I'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at theoveradrinkpodcast.com dot DrinkPodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter. We're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast, and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast. I'd love for you to send me an email at podcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony. I'll put it together in a blog format and then resend it out to everybody on that email list. And in an instant, your testimony will become a weapon. You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the over a drink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode. Peace. The over a drink podcast. Holy cow. Here we are. Uh, episode. I don't know because Honestly, I think I messed up counting at one point and you would think counting is hard, but after I got off my fingers, um, more than 10, I was out of luck. Uh, I have a fun guest on today. Uh, he actually, I'm very jealous of where he lives, uh, because I used to live there and I miss it. And all I have now to remind me of it is the hot chicken place down the street, which I actually had for lunch today, which. Um, I did in honor of Matt. Uh, Matt lives in Nashville. Uh, He is a good buddy of mine who um, we actually have similar hearts and we're and we are um, shooting for the same mission, uh, going down different avenues. Uh, We both have a heart for, for men, a heart for vulnerability in men, a heart for mental health within men and drawing attention to the fact that uh, we are still human despite having the label a man and we're able to feel feelings and um, we are affected by those feelings. Um, and so I'm super stoked to have him on. Uh, we're going to be running conferences together one day. Uh, that's, that's the, the dream. And so uh, Matt, what's up? So uh, Great intro. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. Hey, did you know by the way that I had no idea you lived in Nashville until your i think your intro episodes of Avalanche. really yeah, yeah i knew i knew part of your testimony I just and i knew i knew the vandy piece i just didn't obviously vandy's five minutes from me right now but i just <laughs> didn't put it together that like oh mitch lived in nashville and it makes so much
0: sense because you love hot chicken so much like
1: more it than did. anybody i
0: know it <laughs> is literally jess and i were talking today and i was like babe if there's ever a time that I'm dying, we need to go to Nashville because I need hot chicken. Like I couldn't oh, name. God. I was like, my favorite food is hot chicken. My next is chicken wings. And then after that, all the other foods are just on the same level. I don't really care about any of them. Um, but yeah, dude, I lived right down the street from you. Uh, I spent some time there and I would love one day to have a crash pad there. I don't think I could live there in the summers. It's too hot, humid.
1: Summers are tough.
0: The falls yeah, I are would nice like- though.
1: Falls, we're entering into it. I got a hoodie on right now. It's for most of the day, it was overcast and hung right in the 70s, like low 70s. Um, and then, like, probably in the last hour, the sun has come out. You got blue skies, and it's actually dipping down into the high 60s right now. So, Must and you got nice. like, yeah, you got pumpkin candles, you know, lit. You got pumpkin ice. spice
0: lattes on the table. We're on both drinking. Table. We're both drinking water uh, today uh, because uh, Matt was in town. What? Two weeks ago. Matt was in town two weeks ago and I was supposed to have him over for a whiskey. uh, And it just didn't end up working out, which is tragic uh, because we, he was one of the, uh, the people that I bounced this idea off of in the first place. Uh, So it's, it's a long time coming for him to be here, Matt. You have uh, you have forty five seconds to introduce yourself, uh, elevator pitch. Someone's gonna know you for exactly forty five seconds, and they have to walk away actually knowing you. Ready? Go. Interesting. Well, my name is Matt Woodson. I am a new resident of
1: Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, former resident of Denver, Colorado, for almost six years. Um, born and raised in a small town in Vero Beach, Florida. And most people know me as Matt Boy Magic because of my Instagram handle, which is very <laughs> awkward. Uh, there's a the long story there we can get into later. But yeah, I work full time in tech. I have for a little while in sales. Uh, I work in financial tech right now. And then I also have a side hustle in the music industry as a tour manager uh, and working on, on, the, uh, on the road with some artists. So that's kind of oh, musician, play guitar played for five years for the old Red Rocks worship. Um I think that's probably 45 seconds.
0: That's 45 seconds. That was that was good. You I do really- love I do love coffee and whiskey. And I must I must put that on to the end. What's your
1: okay favorite coffee, favorite whiskey? Coffee whiskey cigars. Very three favorite things. Um, <laughs> favorite coffee, believe it or not, is actually coffee here in Nashville. It's actually based in St. Louis. Uh, it's a roaster called Sump, S-U-M-P coffee. And I, I discovered Sump when I was visiting Nashville years ago on a rainy day. And I had just gotten into like really, really into coffee. I helped a buddy with kind of launching a, a, a vertical and division of his coffee company when, uh, when he started. So I just started really, really getting into coffee with Sump Coffee uh, based out of St.
0: Louis, I believe. And then they have a location in Nashville. Some of the best. And your favorite whiskey? Are you a, a rye? Or are you a bourbon? Are you a oh, I'm scotch? I'm a bourbon, I'm a bourbon guy through and through. My family's 50% of
1: my family's from Kentucky, right up the road. Um, 15 minutes from from bardstown which is where primarily where all the big whiskey distilleries are. Um, so I'm you know, I got whiskey, bourbon, Kentucky bourbon whiskey running through my bla- my veins and <laughs> my blood. Um but yeah, I, I love, as far as type, definitely bourbon. If you go like a couple clicks down into that, I really like weeded bourbon. Um, I don't discriminate though when it comes. Uh, I'll I'll drink and try just about anything. But probably my favorite mid shelf, you know, if I'm just going to grab a bottle of whiskey to have at the house,
0: uh, is Woodford Reserve. But and I mean, I like I like all the. You can get Woodford Reserve for a very good cost at uh, Costco. Fun fact, if you're listening to this, buy your your whiskey from Costco because I think I got a 175 of makers the other day for 30 bucks. Oh, it's crazy. It's insane. Um, but enough plugging all of these companies who are not paying to be plugged um, on my super large podcast with tons of influence yeah. um, at Woodford Reserve, <laughs> at Woodford Reserve, at Sump Coffee, at Costco. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Matt, we have talked a little bit off mic. Um, I'm not really going to give you a launching point um, because I this podcast is super, uh, man, I'm big on Holy Spirit uh driving it. And so I just, um, I want whatever's on your heart to be where we start. Um, and then we can go around from there. Uh, I know you a lot of your testimony. Um, so I can kind of, if we hit a, a, a spot that we don't know what to say, we can jump that direction too. But I don't think that'll happen being that I know you. Um, I think an hour might be a, a hard thing to fit under. And so, yeah. um, so we'll just, we'll have you start, um, the floor, I guess the mic is yours. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. You gotta give me a, you gotta
1: give me somewhere to start. I think, uh,
0: <laughs> okay. Well then well, do, let's, talk about, let's, talk, about let's what, talk about mental health. Let's talk about mental health. Cause I know that okay. I know that mental health is what you're passionate about. Um, I know that your testimony is, uh, is, I wouldn't say dominated because but I would say a big part of the the uh the pie chart is mental health. Um you want to start there? Uh you could talk about mental health recently, or we could talk about mental health in the last couple of years. We could talk about mental health through you're 27, so you are still young, but like when you were younger. Um the how's that? You're making me break my I mean, own rules coming on here. That's fine. Uh, it's <laughs> just part of it,
1: but uh, yeah, no, that's good. I think that's how we initially really um, kind of connected more. We've obviously known each other for a little while, but I don't mm-hmm. think we've, have really been super close. Um, and so I think that's kind of what has, um, it's what has kind of connected us a little bit further, which back to your point is, in my opinion, has truly been led by the holy spirit on you know from from influences on your end and my end um the fact that we both had a desire to pursue an avenue of mental health awareness among men but separate you know avenues uh yeah. but we both had that desire at the same time coming out of two different completely different places uh is, is pretty cool so
0: yeah yeah. I and mean, the, the, I, the I, paths the paths cross and like, yeah, they're intertwined and, um, it's beautiful how we can, we're able to, do you want to talk about that? Maybe let's talk about what you're, what you're doing. Um, that feels like a good, yeah. like what, what's, what is, uh, cause I'm taking this approach from the, uh, kind of what, what you guys are listening to right now, of the podcast, um, and I'm writing, uh, and I do some drawing stuff, but Matt, you're doing something completely different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the process. It's been a long process, uh, but I'm in the process of of creating uh, a clothing line and a nonprofit, which just sounds very strange if you just put it out there like that. But uh, they do they do speak to each other, and and it's purely focused around men's mental health. And I won't I won't not drop the the brand just yet, just because do we that. still have uh, legal paperwork to figure out there, <laughs> but. Um, the premise of it is it, it's it's going to be a brand focused on uh, not only raising awareness of men's mental health, but also equipping and educating men to uh, be able to take that first step to recognize and then continue to to take care of their mental health. Right. It's just like it's just like anything else. Like, unfortunately, it takes people to to have a heart attack before they start realizing they need to take care of their fitness and their diet. Right. Yeah. So in the same vein, I think it takes uh, a tragic event in a man's life in order for him to realize that he has has to start taking care of his his mental health. And he's less, just far less likely to do it and more stubborn than um, than most. So it's like, how do we get ahead of that in the same vein of, well, you probably wouldn't have a heart attack if you were already taking care of your, you know, of your health and your diet. So how can we get ahead of the the mental health stigma of like well maybe the suicide rate among men's would be drastically decreased maybe divorce rates would be drastically decreased maybe uh, child abuse sexual abuse by father figures and men would drastically decrease if we got ahead of it right in front of it yeah
0: if we we're proactive uh, instead of reactive
1: yeah exactly exactly so the proactiveness of proactive approach So, uh, yeah, a lot of people are like, wait, why clothing? Um, I know nothing about clothing. It's funny. I have just finally started to get into very, very baseline fashion where I start to appreciate nice clothes, um, outfits, you know. But for most of my life, it's been, I mean, I grew up in Florida. So I started in board shorts, flip flops, and a Guy Harvey shirt like every day of my life. (laughs) And then, Graduated into you know Sperry's, Wranglers and maybe like a polo shirt, right? It's just and then eventually at college it just turned into boots, jeans, and a tee, and that was just like what I wore. <laughs> so and I mean now you know I enjoy. It. I've got some Jordans. I've got some other you know Yeezys. I got like nice you know I, I have I have sneakers that I
0: enjoy. Your shoe and, game is is fire. Yeah. But like,
1: I've never, I never, I don't, the whole point of that is I don't really know anything about clothing. So, and I've never had a desire to ever know anything about clothing or let alone launch a clothing line. But, um, the reason being is, is I'm trying to think of ways or when this idea was first kind of presented to me, which was a year and a half ago now, I sat on it for a long time, just knowing the fact that like, well, I want to be able to do this. I don't know how I know that I struggle with anxiety and depression. And I know that I've talked to a few buddies who also do, but like, how do we create the space because the space is where it's going to start. And it's just so, it's so funny how opposite it is where you think about what it means to be a man. And it's, you know, this, this tough guy approach when in reality, like, We all we we can desire like a very safe little space so that we can open up because we're scared. You know, it's (laughs) like, oh okay, it's the opposite. But so how how do we get the messaging across to create the space? And I mean, there's a lot of practical ways you can do that as far as just sitting down and having a conversation like we are. But how does that scale? That's hard to scale. So that's when I was like, well. You've got in marketing, you think about marketing, I'm, I'm a sales guy, I've worked as a marketing um, professional in the past, you think about what the communication looks like, you think about messaging, passive and active messaging, um, you know, active messaging is gonna be somebody, you know, coming up to you on the street and saying, hey, have you tried this uh, flavor of beef jerky? Like, here you go, yeah. it's actively being pushed in front of your face as yeah. passive is you're driving your car and every billboard right so i think we talked about you get 10,000 i think there's you get you the average inputs or may, maybe i heard this actually on on Shepard's podcast the average inputs now that we receive as humans on a daily basis is over 10,000 and when you think about inputs that's just meaning products um you know billboards flyers mail license plate bumper stickers like anything you think of that has an, an input to your brain as like this is an object or a product or a service or whatever mm-hmm. that's an input and it rose from 2000 um in less than 10 years And so wow you've got these passive you know and so i said well that's how i do it um no i'm not gonna go put up billboards i mean maybe one day but <laughs> i realized that like when I started appreciating clothing, I would be like, Oh man, like, yo, that's a nice shirt, dude. Where'd you get this shirt? Or like, Oh, that's, that's a cool shirt. What does that mean? Or like you think about perfect example tattoos, like tell me about your ink, what's going on with your artwork. And like most people, if they've got a sleeve can spend multiple hours telling you about mm-hmm. their artwork, right. Cause there's story and motivation behind it. So I was like, well, how do we do that? I think we can do that through clothing because then you're able to put messaging on um you know on a piece of material that we all wear every day and then you're able to take that messaging and add art form and creativity to it and streetwear stylistic like properties to it where it's like oh that's a dope shirt I have no idea what it means though. <laughs> yeah. And so that was kind of the idea is creating vulnerability, passive vulnerability really. Um of through through messaging and design uh on on a piece of clothing so it's kind of what i'm working on now i've got an awesome team behind me designers and content creators and lawyers and the whole nine it, i never knew how difficult it would be to just like you know I, you think of a clothing line it's like oh yeah you go down the street
0: to the print shop and get some t-shirts That's just not it this is no but dude that's sweet that's super cool and that you have um a lot of ooh, excuse me. you a lot of men who have rallied around you i know that a lot of them are just supporting your mission like they agree with you and they are on your team for that reason it's the fact that um they want to help you launch this because they believe in it which i think is so cool um what what uh what got you on this path of um creating a clothing line i know that you had mentioned that like what was the point where you're like i'm gonna do this wait what time is it there
1: three o'clock you got the three o'clock
0: yawns, dude it's three o'clock but i my get wife... the i get the
1: two <laughs> two to three o'clock p.m yawns every day so usually when i have just
0: came home late coffee. last night and i hadn't seen her all day like she left the house at eight and didn't come home until 10 so we sat up watching tv and just hanging out until my bedtime's normally nine but i stayed up till like midnight last night and woke up Ooh. at six so so y'all listen to this six hours doesn't feel like a dramatic amount of time but that i usually get my eight um so we'll see what, how i am on a baby yes yeah. that's what i was gonna say you better
1: you better start preparing for when yeah the baby comes. um uh, sorry let me just share this real quick so this is we're we're recording this, and um, yeah, three o'clock Denver time, four o'clock my time. So, um, I might be responding to a couple messages at work at the same time. But, <laughs> um, yeah, back to your question on on what kind of spurred this, dude. So, I wouldn't necessarily say this is this is interesting. When you think of the word testimony, you think of th- that it's a and I, I could be thinking this wrong, so you, it'd be good to hear your thoughts on this. When I think of testimony, I think of a comprehensive story. Yeah, of yeah. like, this is my testimony. This is how I came to know Christ. So like this is, but what I feel like is happening as I get older is we have multiple testimonies. Is that possible? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. My thought, my thought is right down your lane of like, okay, there is my overarching like the te- testimony is. Proof of God's work in my life, like my testimony. Um, I think people so often are like, it's my story. I mean, well, yeah, it is your story, but it's your story with the emphasis on what God is doing. And like what a testimony in the Bible is is, is like the Israelites, when they were traveling through the wilderness and they they used to make piles of stones. They would make an altar uh when something that God did, uh, and they would worship him there. Um, and then they would leave it for people to walk by and be like, hey. God did something cool here. So, like when they crossed the Jordan River, uh, they would build rocks. They built rocks and, and worship God for parting the sea. So, like you have different rock piles throughout your life that are considered testimonies. Because, like for me, like God showed up in my mental health. God showed up in my marriage. God, like He, he over has an overarching, but also your testimony can be weaponized um by event too like i think the stories within your like your testimony like there are multiple events that god showed up um but there's one overarching like god is omnipresent he's always there but yeah no oh, okay well yeah i think so i think this
1: where we're going here maybe is a piece, a piece of like a testimony, mm-hmm. right? Or the most recent update, if you will, the most recent yeah. upload. Yeah. The testimony file. File. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so, so really on, on the mental health piece, obviously it's a buzz, it's a buzz topic over the last two years, especially, um, you know, due to COVID. Uh, and it was already becoming a buzz topic before then. Um, to where you're seeing employers offer mental health days now, you're seeing um, more and more mental health you know Instagram pages pop up and advocates and people speaking out in organizations and access to therapy like you're you're already seeing a lot more of this. Uh, I and mean, then I think Covid was just like lit the match type deal. like yeah. just here we go. Um, so even before all of this. I have always struggled from a young age. I actually remember the first time I experienced depression, um, which is kind of wild. But from a young age, I've had, I've, I've struggled with depression and anxiety. Um, and a lot of it has been around relationships and not necessarily just relationships with women, but just relationships in general, just people. People are my biggest passion in life. And for, for the NA grain people, it's, I'm a three wing two, very strong, uh, three wing two, meaning one point of separation between my two and my three. So I'm just like, they're right next to each other.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's so, so my entire life I've had a difficult time with letting people down or, um, having people not like me. That's just like, I'll never, and I've come to terms with the fact that I'll never be the person who's just like, I don't care if they like me or not. It's just, if yeah. they don't like me, I'm like, no, you going
0: to like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and, are uh, now my target and you, are, I need you to like yeah. me. Yeah. How do you want me to shift so that you like me? Yeah, yeah. And, and so
1: just the, the people pleasing. And what what sucks about that is it creates a lot of room for, you know, it creates it creates holes in the army, armor for susceptibility to depression anxiety because you get mm. let down a lot when you live like mm. that um so it's funny my first bout of depression as a kid uh, is just absolutely hilarious to look back on because i of course i didn't recognize it as depression until in the recent years but i was in second grade i believe maybe first and i was just so into this girl <laughs> in grade school and we we were in preschool together, we were in kindergarten together, and now we're in, you know, first, second grade together. And it's funny because we'd end up going all the way through high school together and still know each other very well. Um, but I was just, I was just super into her. And we were, it was spring break and we were going on a family vacation. And I did not want to go. And like, as a kid, of course, you're always excited to go on vacation. And I just remember my parents being like, what is going on? Like, why do you like, why are you not getting up? Why are you crying? Why are you like, come on, we're going on vacation. And I was, I don't want to go. Mm -hmm. And I was so sad because I wasn't going to be able to see, you know, little miss Sally, we'll call her for the purpose of this. Like (laughs) I wasn't going to be able to see her for a week. And I was like, Oh no. So, but it, that sounds funny on paper, but I, I've, I remember the physical feeling, the the pit in my stomach, the sadness, mm-hmm. the lack of energy, the lack of motivation, like all those physical symptoms. Like I I can remember I put myself right back in my hallway in my house, like when you know my parents were like, "Let's go, we're leaving, pack your shoe, like you know, and I just was just so distraught. And mm-hmm. I look back on that and and realize that even as a a kid having those feelings, uh, those symptoms very early on, my whole life I've been put in those situations where i had have those same, and it feels the same today. If I, yeah. if I enter a massively depressive season, it's the same symptoms. So that's what I think is very interesting about anxiety and depression, As if you view it as a disease or a diagnosis, is the symptoms are, um, are the same in, in pediatrics as they are in, in adults. and as there are in geriatrics and so it's like you've got the same physical and mental ailments um through your entire life Hmm. all the emotions are the same it doesn't and that's obviously as you probably tell i've studied this like crazy so i i'm uh I'm a nerd when it comes to, I know you're an even bigger nerd, but I'm a nerd when it comes to medical, anything medical. I went to nursing school. I have a degree in healthcare management. It's like spent some time in medical sales. I thought I wanted to be a doctor when I was growing up. Like, so very, very interested in the medical piece. And when you look into mental health, oh my gosh, it's no, no longer are you dealing with the complexities of, you know, soft tissue and your muscles and your ligaments and your bones. You're dealing with the complexity
0: of things Narrow you cannot see and, in the yeah, brain. Yeah. Neuropathways. Elect- all of them. Yeah. yeah. you that's you're you've
1: opened up a literal portal into another dimension of of medical study. Like yeah. huh.
0: Dude, I I I'm also, like you said, I am a nerd when it, like any paper that I've ever written was on mental health, uh, mental health in athletes, mental health in men, just trying to understand why my brain was the way that it was. And I feel like that's a lot of yours is just like this introspection of why do I feel this way and why is this happening? And, um, if I had to write a paper, I might as well write it on something that I was passionate about. (laughs) And so I do, I learned like what you're talking about. Um, and I'm sure Caroline leaf is a psychologist who um, is unreal. she's unreal. And she, she writes a book, um, Gosh, dang it. It's turquoise and has a brain on the front. switch on your brain, switch on your brain. There it goes. Uh, and she talks about pathways. and those pathways. Imagine uh, in your case, like these pathways are starting to. So if you're listening to this, what happens when you form a thought, uh, a, a neur- neur- neuron 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 is sent down your brain. Essentially, like it forms a neural pathway, like you it forms like habits, it forms thoughts can literally form things within your brain. Like, um, she compares it to like an am the Amazon, where the first time you think a thought, you're walking in the Amazon with a machete and you're like hacking your way through. And then the next time, there's a there's the growth, the 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 progress from yesterday, and then a week later, you have a path, and then after years, you have a six lane highway where like you just jump down this path and. Imagine starting to build that path at in second grade, and then yeah. people are and then people are like, "Oh, you're just depressed. You're just sad." It's like, no, <laughs> I have these thought patterns that I've created and 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 reinforced every day of my life for since I was eight. Like, it's not something that I can just stop. Um, yeah, and and yeah, I think I mean, I mean, no, I was just and I think it it there has to be grace for people who don't wrestle with that because they don't truly understand but there also needs to be grace on the reciprocal where it's like you don't understand so like you don't don't try to just tell me how to be if you don't understand how i am you know like
1: no it's it's super true so i'm glad you brought up the point about about mental pathways because that's the most mind-boggling piece of all this as i just study more and more and read more and more the, yeah, Caroline leaf puts it beautifully in describing it that way. Another way I've heard it described very well is for, you know, if you're a hunter um, is like game trails. And like you think about like, well, if you see, if you walk in the woods anywhere near your house, you're going to see some game trails or you're going to see a beaten down, skinny little path. And that's just a path that animals take in the night. And the way those paths get there is at first, I an mean, animal's chasing something right chasing yeah. chasing the desire chasing game chasing dinner and or like smelling something out and then yeah they continue to walk that path or maybe they find water and like that's where you'll see a lot of game trails is like um around a body of water because like they'll go there at night to hydrate and they just that path becomes worn and worn and worn towards very distinctive and they travel every single night Um, day in day out so that's just another way i've heard it described and what's happening there is if you think about if you think about that if you think about creating it as a highway you think about creating as a well-worn path either way it's very difficult to go and close down a highway and then destroy it yeah (laughs) yeah it takes a long time and in the same vein it's very difficult and takes many a long time for a trail or a path to then
0: grow over with grass again. Yeah.
1: You
0: know, 100%. And, And, and I love that you actually, um, one thing that I got from this book, a picture that the Lord gave me was like the grand Canyon and how, so when I started taking, doing counseling, my counselor introduced me to this idea of thought stopping. Um, and it's a practice that is very hard, uh, but it's, identifying thoughts that are not healthy and not allowing them to go down that path and like trying to catch as many as you can (laughs) you're not gonna be able to stop them completely but uh the amazon no not the amazon the grand canyon was formed by the colorado river over the course of thousands of years but if i were to put a dam in at the before uh, above the uh the grand canyon eventually a new Grand Canyon would be formed wherever you diverted the Colorado River to. Um, And so the the idea of like creating a new path and like identifying thoughts and sending them down a better pathway, Um, but then the Grand Canyon wouldn't, it would still exist. Like that scar in, in the face of the earth is still there, but like you're saying, it would take equal or more time for it to refill. And so what do you do in those times of healing? Like right now you're in a place where you, you just talked about earlier um, off the podcast that like you're in a healing place right now. Uh, you are in a place, but like, you're still recognizing that there was a wound there. You know what I mean? Like um, I love that though. That's yeah. super cool. No, it's, it's like you think, yeah,
1: that's a very good, good way to put it as far as well, even though you decide not to take, that road anymore the road's still going to be there The Grand you still going to be there however you want to paint the picture but you're you're pursuing and, and choosing this new path that you're creating mm-hmm. and in the same sense like it sounds all woohoo but like it's literally hell happens in your brain <laughs> and like it's you have to when when the title of our book is switched on your brain it's because it's taking control of your brain which as we know, our brains are fully capable of running themselves, mm. and um, very passively. And so, when you actively take control of your thoughts, which is a practice, uh, is when you can it's begin hard. to create these new. Yeah, you begin to create these new pathways and retrain um, something that, for me, it goes back to as early as second grade uh, when it comes to that depressive piece. Um, and that depression i think for me most of my life and it still feels weird to say this but it has always been related to um women in my life um whether it's a girl i liked or a girl i was dating or you name it it's all the the worst lows have always been related to that or uh, physical loss of a family member or friend right so i've had Mm -hmm. You know, both my grandfathers died around seven years ago within three months of each other. Um, I was super tight with both of them. I was in college at the time. It, you know, it wrecked me. I had a a very, very dear friend, college um, fraternity, brother, roommate, like all the things uh, was shot and killed in his apartment in, in Dallas, Texas, a few years back. And that had a whole nother element of racial injustice attached to it. So. You start thinking like I start thinking about okay, well, there's loss of life. Um, you know, experienced unfortunately a couple friends uh, taking their own life, um, and you know I'm 27, so like there's just a lot of loss that has occurred in my life already, and all these like all this loss has created these neural pathways of how I process and deal with um, deal with the loss and cope with the loss and unfortunately is it's created a neural pathway that leads to deep depression um which pause i'm super excited for the next generation like our kids because this is something we're going to talk about and it wasn't talked about when we were kids Mm -hmm. let alone like recognizes like oh, a child could have anxiety or a child could have depression. Like it wasn't, you think about it, just 20 years ago, it wasn't even recognized like that was a possibility unless you legitimately like, you know, you're medicated and diagnosed in the doctor's office, right? Like, which doesn't have to happen anymore to know that you're anxious in or breath. Yeah. And so I'm really excited for this next generation to see, because because I think back to when I was a kid and how my life could have looked a lot different on the way I've handled loss. If I was given a framework and taught what to do similar to when I was a kid, we were taught to wash out your cut, put Neosporin on it and cover it with a band-aid. Mm. right? So that it could heal again. So when these, these moments, these, these wounds are created as a kid related to the mental health aspect, and we're not taught what to do with that, then you have all these scars, and these like infected wounds that just compound over the years into our adulthood, and so that's kind of what happened with me. Um, over the years, it compounded into this fear of loss, uh, which really transcended into every decision, every major decision I'd ever make. From sure we can use from who I'm supposed to date to. Where I'm supposed to live, to what job I'm supposed to take, to what kind of car I should buy, like any major decision, it was it would tear me up. You you, you can ask, I mean, you can ask Corey. We know Corey Miller well. Like you can ask him. You can ask my parents. I looked for a new car for 18 months. <laughs> like I was ready to go. I had money. I Had everything. Like I needed a new car, and I kept saying like, oh, I'm gonna go look at this car. I'm gonna go look at this car. Oh, I think I'm gonna do. It. But like this fear of oh, what if something better comes along or what if I miss out on a deal or what if it's like breaks down as soon as I buy it? Like all these fears of loss were just like clouding my decision-making process and just tore it up and took a long time. So mm. that translates into a lot of different things. And I think where this idea back, like what feels like 30 minutes ago now, back to the original question around where my passion was sparked for mental health it goes back very recently within the last two years to um, a relationship that I was in and realizing that this was someone that I I loved and that I envisioned a life together with um, and that uh, quite frankly, that I had prayed for, for, for a long time. And the one thing that created a self-sabotage for me in this in this relationship was me (laughs) was my was those pathways and those thought patterns of not being able to um, to fully dive into it uh, because of all this fear because of the fear of losing that person and so that that got in my way very early on even after I was like yeah let's stay like, God, that that was a big deal in itself for me to get to that point. And then, you know, three months in, it was like, okay, do you want, like, from her end, it was like, do you want to do this or not? Like, very fairly so. Because I was just kind of, like, given the giving the arm a little bit. Like, yeah. keeping everything at an arm's length distance because, I can't, you know, like, if I keep it here, like, it's going to hurt a little less if I lose it type deal. Yeah. Like, I can't let it all the way in, like. Cause then it's really going to hurt. And so, but by doing that, I just, I literally self-sabotaged my you know, uh, that situation scenario. And I started to realize I'd done that with a lot of things in life. Um, And, you know, that relationship taught me a lot of things. The biggest piece that sparked my, my mental health advocacy was one recognizing and, and, not being ashamed or afraid to be like hey so the reason like things are being like this is because i struggle with anxiety is because i get the, i'm prone to depression is because i've struggled with a lot of loss right all of that stuff was locked up for so long i didn't i was embarrassed to tell mm-hmm. anybody so i i got to a point where i had no choice right or else i was going to lose this person i had no choice but to compromise myself And when I did that, actually the compromise, like me compromising myself was quite a beautiful story in the sense that I was, I actually experienced a panic attack um, in front of, of her, right? In front of this person that I was, you know, that I was dating and I really, really liked. And that was in the moment humiliating. I mean, you can put every word possible to that, every synonym, emasculating, like, it, it was just like, I can't ever speak to this person or talk to this person again. Like, it was like, a hundred times worse than standing on stage and getting pants. Like, like, it just, it was like, oh my gosh, like, this is something like, I'd only ever had a couple panic attacks before that, or a few, like, Panic attacks before that, and those were always things that I would legitimately go into a room by myself so no one could see me and I could see no one, turn the lights off and like just struggle through it. So having someone in the same room, let alone someone that I I truly cared about, um, was terrifying, but also that story became so beautiful because her response was a desire to help and to be there. And that was something I was like, wait, and like, you know, after the day after we talked about it and and her her response was like, I don't mean this in a bad way, but like that's what women and me, like me and most women desire is that authentic, you know, piece of your emotion. We want to know what's going on. Like, because we're women, we're nat- like naturally wired to to be caregivers and to nurture and to help and Of course, like our our significant others are going to be ones that we want to do that with, just the way we do it with our children, and so that just kind of clicked for me. I was like, "Oh, like God, like this could solve a lot of problems." (laughs) And I we started talking about it, and we started. It was a really cool conversation. We started talking about like, wait, like this is like you know you think about a married a married couple, and you think about like uh the male figure coming home from work all disgruntled and and distressed and annoyed and no nah, i'm just gonna go down to the bar and have some beers and watch the game and like the the wife or the spouse in the scenario being like wait what just happened like well, why is he why why and the male thing is you know maybe he had a really bad day at work and something's stressing him out, causing a lot of anxiety. Maybe, I don't know, something happened to where he's actually like really upset about something and mildly depressed, but because he believes he has to live behind this male stigma of not allowing anybody else, especially his wife to see his emotions, he's going to go slam beers at the bar and, and, Mm. you know, watch the game. And what, then it creates this void and it creates him not feeling comfortable enough to to be that person. And it creates her wondering why he's not comfortable enough. And you've got this massive wedge between the two. So what if we could get to a point where husbands came home and this is not, this is not one side at all, but we are talking about mental health in this sense. Um, but you get, what if we get to the point where husbands come home and say, babe, I'm, I I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety today. Like here, you know, here's what's going on at work or my numbers aren't looking right. Or like, it's actually like, I didn't eat lunch today because of this. Like, and the, the little things of your numbers aren't looking good at work. Right. That you're like, I shouldn't be complaining about this because I'm the man of the house. But that then allows the wife in the scenario or the female in the scenario to be like, okay, here's how I, <laughs> you know this better than I do. But like the natural instinct of a woman to give care is wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I know exactly what to do in this scenario, and it's
0: like you don't have you don't even have
1: to tell them. When I had a panic attack with, with with the girl I was dating, I I didn't even have to tell her what I needed, and she I'm pretty sure had never really experienced that before either. But she knew exactly what to do, and it was just
0: natural instinct of a of a female.
1: <laughs> and yeah, it was it's like,
0: how do we get there? It's insane that you're you're not wrong. I just think to a story literally about Jess where we had a friend who we were over at their house hanging out and then she was just gone for a second. And then she and for a little while she was gone and we didn't know where she was. And she had locked herself in the bathroom and was having a full-on like anxiety panic attack, like inconsolable, came out of nowhere. Um, and Jess just went like super mom mode. And started doing all of these things that I'm like, I have no clue where you even learned that. Where did you learn about hot? Like she put like hot compress on her forehead, or like she like was doing all these things. I'm like, how did you know? Like and and pulled and pulled our friend out of it, um, or like allowed her to work walk through it, and it was insane. But no, dude, you're um, you're not wrong on the aspect of the importance of being able to, I think that like what you're touching on, um, the beauty of it is something that is to go way back to what you had said about having a heart attack and then deciding to like to be healthy uh, is something where that like that response is the healthy, like going home and sharing, like inviting, somebody in it doesn't have to be your wife it could be a friend into like the struggle that you're feeling that's the healthy response um and but it takes being in that moment one time to realize hey i'm actually not <laughs> healthy here. yeah yeah no I just
1: yeah it's very true but i mean that yeah that that experience gave a little bit more framework to my passion around around this piece about my like motivation to do something about it I think because it was truly a light bulb going off of like mm-hmm. oh wait we're, we're missing a lot here like we're missing a massive like <laughs> I don't want to compare this to the cure to cancer but like we're missing something very obvious right in front of us like this could and I will stand by this this like if every male in the world treated their mental health like they treated their, you know, gym gains or their, you know, their, their checks, their physicals, they're like, if we all treated mental health as a priority and recognition and practice and, and put our reps in, oh, I just, I really do think there would be downstream effects that would drastically and greatly improve society mm. and from from murder rates to abuse rates to divorce rates to orphans like fatherless homes like there there is just so much that I believe would be a down a downstream effect to um uh, to redefining what it means to be a man right mm. so I think that combined with one other one other experience that I had, and that was mid-COVID. It was a snowy night in October in Denver, Colorado. And I had, I had gathered around a couple of buddies. Finally, something opened back up. It was our favorite cigar lounge. And uh, a couple of buddies that we worked with, you know, we used to seeing each other in the office every day. We We're like, guys, let's go get a cigar tonight. First time we were seeing each other in a couple months, right? We've all been quarantine. And we uh, we gathered around and this, uh, this snowy Denver bar. And we, uh, we, I remember one, one of my buddies, it was an interesting crowd. It was six of us. I think maybe two of us were three of us were like Christians practicing Christians, right? Faith, whatever you want to call that, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. A couple of people were quote unquote religious in the sense that like, you know, maybe they grew up in the church or like they went to mass or something like yeah. that, but they didn't, they weren't really like, they wouldn't call themselves a Christian. And then one of them was actually an atheist and, and, a, mm. and a great friend of mine and so we had a pretty good mix of people and there there were a few there were a few like quote-unquote good guys in there there are a few quote-unquote you know um players if you will i guess is the the <laughs> pg term i can use um so you so you just had a, a mix of, of guys but we we're all coming across this common thing which was whiskey and cigars and I remember one of them was like, why well, Woodson? Like my last name, hey, Woodson, how, how are you, man? It looks like you got a, like you got a girlfriend now. Like how are things going with that? And at the time, like things weren't going great. And I was, I was pretty down and dumps about it. And I, I don't know if it was the couple glasses of whiskey that allowed me to open up or the second cigar and two hours or like what well, it was a combination of the both. But I was just, I just opened up I was like, this is what's going on. This is, Um, I'm really struggling with this and so much so where I'm like pretty anxious on a daily basis. And I remember like just talking about it and I was staring off into probably my cup and or my glass and like just staring down the floor and I looked up and I had every single one of those dudes like at the edge of their seat. And then immediately the guy that I would like never in a million years think to respond in, in any type of way like this said, dude, me too. He's like I've I've just started last week um anti like depressive medication for the first time in life. Wow. And he started going into, you know, I I've been known to to sleep around town or like I've been, you know, I i have known as a guy who can like pull any girl all he wants type deal. He's like, and I'm just sick and tired of that. And I don't want to mm-hmm. be that person anymore. And I found a girl that I really like and I don't know how to I don't know how to do it. And so it's been getting me down. And so like he opened up with that. And another guy opened up with, you know, oh, this is what's going on with my home life or like my grandmother's sick or like all these things. But the it wasn't the things. It was the point that the men in the circle were talking about their feelings as simple as it sounds. And that's where the light bulb clicked for me in the sense of like, this is it. This is what I want to create. I want to create this exact moment over commonalities that men enjoy, right? You think of your cliche cigars and whiskey, rounds of golf, slamming beers at the dive, watching football, (laughs) sports. Like how can we just take these normal quote unquote manly things and integrate and infuse um, a safe place into them to where guys are like, not just coming together to, to hide everything, you know, uh, or to push all the emotions down together, but to actually, Lit all the emotions out together, like you're already together. So <laughs> there's already going to be a sense of community and support that comes with that. So how do we create these spaces? And that's where I was like, oh, this is where I'm going to do something about it. And just full circle back to like, okay, I need passive vulnerability. I need clothing, and and I need a nonprofit that goes and says, hey, here's here's the the education and the tools you need to equip yourself to. um to take that first step to say hey like it's okay if i see a therapist it's Dang. okay if i see a psychologist it's okay if i see a psychiatrist i have all three <laughs> and, you know i've got I've like yeah i say that out loud i'm like i have a psychologist a psychiatrist a counselor and a therapist and i say that out loud and i'm like i'm a crazy person <laughs> but i'm i'm not no and and honestly that team of people that's my roster that's my team. Those are the people, those are my people in my corner. If I'm the boxer in the ring, that's the guy in the corner. That's my manager. That's my trainer. Those are all the people I need in my corner to do the, like to take care of myself to the best of my ability. And like, there is nothing to be ashamed about there.
0: Absolutely not. You're, you're taking the steps so that you don't have this catastrophic collapse, like this implosion. Like you see you're, you're, you're being proactive. You're, you're, you're making yourself. And I don't know why people like, you don't go to the gym to like all of a sudden, like you're not going to go to the gym to heal your body. You're going to the gym to prepare yourself so that you don't hurt your body. Like why, why is counseling or a psychology or a therapist, looked upon this way that it only has to be a recovery place. Why can't it be a gym where I go to strengthen and to, or (laughs) I go to the gym some, not recently, uh, but in college, if I had a night of drinking, I would go to sweat out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like to yeah. get all the, to get all the bad Absolutely. stuff out. Like, why can't it be a place where you just but then I felt better afterwards. And I was a functioning human. Like, like, maybe it's that maybe you got to go sweat out uh, some crap yeah. that you've got in you. Um, but dude, project, I, think I mean, so- it
1: goes back to the proactive reactive conversation. Like, I love how you're like, what is what is like professional mental health? need to be recovery (laughs) that's how
0: it's always been viewed yeah like you and your you and your wife are in a fight go to counseling why not go to counseling so that you and your wife don't get in a fight like or when you do get in a fight you know how to navigate you know how to hang exactly
1: and i think that's that's key actually i think that's important to call out is i don't view i don't view mental health as as preventative medicine or preventative practice because unfortunately life is always just going to like shit on your desk. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. that is like, that's not, you can go to all the therapy in the world. Like you're still going to run into heartbreak. You're still going to run into tragedy. You're still going to run into trial tribulation. It's not preventative medicine. So there's not a direct correlation between like that example, but what it is preparing you for is how to navigate those Mm -hmm. pieces to where you look back, I guess the punchline of this whole story that I didn't even I didn't even drop was we we broke up. Right. <laughs> so yeah. like, that's what like led me into having this team of mental health professionals in my corner, because I was finally like, I, I, I woke up. I was like, I, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle losing someone I cared so deeply about and, and loved so deeply. I didn't know how to handle that. And what happened was terrible and it was deep and it was dark and it scared her, it scared me, it scared my family, it scared my friends. And it was it was darkness. It was pure darkness. It was suicidal ideation. It was like I just my only prayer for eight months straight, like my faith life was like garbage. Like it was it was a mix. I literally was double finger to the to the Lord. And like that's so hard to say. Like I was like you know, screw you God honestly. And because it's like, how could, you know, we go back to, well, I prayed for this. And that was my mindset. Well, I pray, I prayed so freaking hard over this relationship and over this girl and over this clarity and over this answer. And like, I received direction from you to like pursue and to go forth. Like, how are you allowing this to come crumbling down? And it's like, I could have gone to a bajillion years of therapy before that happened. It wouldn't have prevented it from happening, but it would allow me to like maybe stay afloat. Right. And so all that to say, that's where, you know, my only prayer for, for six months was, you know, Lord, just take me in my sleep. Cause Mm. like, I don't, I don't want to wake up and do it again tomorrow. It's exhausting. I'm exhausted. Like by the time I finally fell asleep, it wasn't because I was tired. It was because my body literally couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. I was, Mm. Tossing and turning, and medicating, and drinking, and smoking, and like whatever I could do to just maybe catch a glimpse of sleep. And at that point, I was just I was praying that I wouldn't wake up. Like that sucks. It's just this sh- shitty place to be. Yeah. So the whole point of that that little spiel was, I believe, I truly believe, and I've actually already started to see. I haven't gone through anything as you know tragic or catastrophic or whatever word you want to put on it traumatizing as as that breakup earlier this year but I had many trials like little tiny ones here and there pop up that I've been able to navigate in a completely different way and very healthy and very process worthy and that is like something that I just, all of that, like, for the rest of my life, like, I will always have a therapist. There's just not, even when things are going the best they could possibly go, I'm going to have someone there to talk about that piece. It's a practice, and it's allowed me to handle um, the these moments of of upset and loss uh, much better, and so it was a long, dark, winding grow. but yeah, you alluded earlier to the healing piece. I do feel like Um, and you know, before the, before the podcast, we talked about this, I feel like I'm at a place now where my, my wound has gone through the phases of, of course, the first phase of like puncture and bleeding and many, many like reinfections and, you know, and I'm at this point now to where I've actually been able to, to scab over really, really nice on this wound. The scabs actually fallen off. you've got this like beautiful piece of, of new flesh beneath it, but it's still very, very like tender, a little bit sore, but like each day it's getting better. so that's kind of where I'm at now after, you know, this happened in January. So we're, we're about 10 months out from it. Um, And I'm not completely there quite yet, but I'm, you know, well on my way because of the tools, because of the, the people, because of conversations like we've had because of, sharing my vulnerability with other men saying, yo, this is why. Oh, hey, why why are you in Nashville? What made you move to Nashville? Well, went through a really rough breakup, got really low, had a hard time. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I don't yeah. know. What's your name? I'm Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. it's gotten me to that
0: point. Yeah. You know? And that's a okay. So A, that's amazing. B, it's a perfect bow because Dude, getting to that point is so it's, it's, it's important. And it's, it takes practice. It takes repetitions. Like you're talking about, like, I've talked you, like, you've talked about it so much that at this point, it's like, yeah, I'll talk about it. Like, it's funny. Cause like, there's times with me where not, someone will ask me like, why do you respond that way to the, or like, why, what is your tattoo? And I have a whole mental health tattoo half sleeve that I'm like, well, funny thing is, is I had an eating disorder and it's like, you don't really know me that well, but. I like now you know me better, um, and like I think that to tie like those conversations in the in the, in the cigar bar uh, are important, like groundbreaking conversations that then open up the idea that like I can do this with people, like I don't have to do it by myself. I can talk to people. I can talk to whoever about. It. I think you need to choose who you take and allow to speak into your life because not everyone has the best intentions for you. But like like you're saying, having a therapist. Is so important and having, man, I, I just, I'm so appreciative of everything. I didn't even need to say anything. Like what, everything you were saying was so good. Um, And it was just right on point for the mission of this podcast of like normalizing therapy, psychiatry, psych, psychology, psychiatrists, like what was the other one? Psychiatrists, like, Oh, you're gonna help me. You Psychiatrist, help me. psychologist, psychologist, <laughs> there it goes. Holy cow. You got Three it wrong. We We're gonna get there. Um, but you you've talked about the importance of just being able to talk about it. You like you have I think that when you not to water down pain, but the more you talk about something, I think the less power it has over you and the less shame that you feel under it. So, like or I guess you feel over you. Um, like the shame of, like you said, like, I sound like a crazy person going to these, this team that I've built. And it's like, no, to me, you sound like someone who's freaking smart and, uh, cares about their mental health. Cause that's something that men don't do. It's the last thing that we care about. Like our, like I'm literally sitting here being like, man, I, I haven't gone to my counselor in about a month. Um, because, it's a hundred bucks a week and I have a baby coming and I need to get my finances as like as comfortable before she comes. And I need to like, so the first thing to go is my counseling. Like I, and like, and that's, that's just honest. Like, dude, I could find a hundred bucks in my budget that I spend on going out to dinner with friends that I spend on my gym, my gym membership was not a hundred bucks. It was 15, but like, uh, like I could find a hundred bucks, even if I were to go every other week, but as a, this is just my humanity and someone who is such an advocate for it. It's still the first thing for me to go. Oh, yeah. so
1: and we have to refocus and reshift that priority of, of what that looks like as a society. Like it's, it's just, yeah, I mean, it, and it's the same thing. I I literally had a an a appointment, a virtual appointment, with my psychiatrist today about my like ongoing medication. And I was like, I'm I'm good. I wanna I want to get off this medication. And like that's what happens. We get to a place where like, oh, we're good. Like, yeah, I'll ditch medication. I'll ditch the ditch the psychiatrist. I'll ditch, ditch the counselor, the therapist. Like, I'm good. Well, <laughs> Not, that's not, that's how not works. how it
0: works. No. If you ditch your gym membership, you're going to get fat. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like- yeah. And that's true. Like I literally, I'm like, Oh, I've, I'm doing like, I'm doing really good. I'm doing like, but then even last night I was laying in bed I'm like, babe, I just don't feel good about myself right now. Like I just don't. And that wasn't something like I avoid the mirrors a little bit. Like it starts to creep back in like the little things. And so, man, Okay. So I, we are at about an hour and I want, I'm, I'm really working hard to keep this thing like concise uh, because I could, Matt and I could sit and talk forever, but I think that we we got to a point there where we can just like establish like, Hey, put it like put a team together. Uh, maybe it, maybe it doesn't look like paid professionals. Maybe it looks like a best friend, a brother, a girlfriend, a dad, a mom, uh, put a team together that you can go and be vulnerable and accountable to. Um, and you can Be, I guess, unfiltered and like raw. You can be a man (laughs) uh, by the new definition or not the new, by the original definition, not by the definition that the world put on it. Um, Matt, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, sharing what you've been taught through your testimony. I think it's so cool that, um, man, you're putting purpose to pain through what you're doing. Uh, I'm stoked for the first piece of clothing that you put out. I am going to wear it me too. If as, ever as, <laughs> as long as it's black and loose fitting. I will be all about, I'm just, I'll be, be all, all about ready. it. that I mean, <laughs> it is
1: It's, it's going to be streetwear focused. And I mean, on that, that vein, I mean, if there's anybody that's listening to this and it's like, that's sick, I want to be a part, like, this is not mine. This is a, I had a good friend tell me, you know, visions are given by the Lord um for you to carry out like he's not gonna give you a vision and just be like oh well here you go hope you do something with it you know it's yeah. been it's been placed to, to carry out and this one's been placed to carry out but it's not um it's not mine it's of Lord and it's a collective so hmm. if there's anybody who wants to be involved in it I we're always trying to build the team of designers of content creators of any skill set you have or just of people who are like yo just let me know when it drops so I can buy it and and yeah. and your
0: Instagram where, is what? <laughs> Oh, Matt Boy Magic, yeah. DM me. Yeah, Matt <laughs> I feel like Boy. I want to be a part it's like of that B-O- It's B O I, isn't it? No, Matt, no, B O I. Okay, Matt Boy Magic. Uh, okay. Well, on that note, uh, Matt Boy Magic and uh, Mitchell G. Parsons, I believe, is my new Instagram. I was, I was Mitchie the kid forever, but that was because I got called that after I did something in high school and a sports thing. Like someone called me Mitch. I was like, I can't live by my high school. That's like take off the letterman. So I am now Mitchell G Parsons on Instagram, but with that, we are signing out. We will see you next week. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the over a drink podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the over a drink podcast and on Twitter, Twitter, at over underscore a underscore drink reach out and send me a message i'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at theoveradrinkpodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter we're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast i'd love for you to send me an email at overadrinkpodcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony i'll put it together in a blog format and then we send it out to everybody on that email list and in an instant, your testimony will become a weapon. You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the Over a Drink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode. Peace.